By the time she was three, Matilda had taught herself to read by studying newspapers and magazines that lay around the house. At the age of four, she could read fast and well, and she naturally began hankering after books. The only book in the whole of this enlightened household was something called Easy Cooking, belonging to her mother. And when she had read this from cover to cover and learned all the recipes by heart, she decided she wanted something more interesting. Daddy, she said, do you think you could buy me a book? A book, he said. What do you want a flaming book for? To read, Daddy. What's wrong with the telly, for heaven's sakes? We've got a lovely telly with a 12-inch screen, and now you come asking for a book? You're getting spoiled, my girl. excerpt from Matilda by Roald Dahl, and this is Books That Raised Us. I'm Alana Shapiro, an educator and mom whose best friends were books for most of my life. And I'm Esty Shapiro, a designer and writer and currently a grad student at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. So this one was my pick. I reread the book and you didn't. What do you remember about Matilda? Um, well, I remember it very well. It was a book that I loved as a kid, um, and and I do want to, I don't want to conflate the two, but while we're talking about the book, I also want to talk about the 90s movie version of Matilda, <laughs> um, starring Mara Wilson, who has an A-plus Twitter presence, <laughs> um, because the, the movie, I think, I, I remember at least as, as vividly as the book, and um, I certainly read the book first, but... I think there are just certain images of that movie that um, come to mind. But it's, at least in my memory, it's a story of a little girl named Matilda who feels like an outsider in her family, and she's more academically inclined, <laughs> as the, the excerpt you read might suggest. Um, and she has this teacher, Miss Honey, who she really, like, connects to and who sort of, like, fosters her love of learning and reading and she's got some magical powers, and there's yeah. um, there's a horrible principal, Miss Trunchbull, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, I guess that's what yeah. I remember. <laughs> you remember a lot, actually. That's amazing. Um, so you're right. Um, Matilda is a brilliant little girl um, growing up in a not-so-brilliant family, <laughs> And um, it's the story of when she first starts going to school. And her, you know, kindergarten teacher is Miss Honey, who recognizes that this is just this extraordinarily brilliant child and, um, and is shocked <laughs> um, that, you know, she doesn't have a supportive environment at home that's taught her how to read and do math and look at the world in the way she looks at it. And so Miss Honey really um, nurtures her and um, kind of advocates for her with the school principal, who is Miss Trunchbull and is even more horrible than <laughs> than Matilda's family. And um, and then as the story unfolds, there's all sorts of drama around the relationship between Miss Honey and Miss Trunchbull and do do spo spoilers here. <laughs> um, 
And um, in the end, really in some ways, as much as Miss Honey sort of advocates for Matilda and is her champion and um, fights for a better life for her, Matilda also uses her um, brilliance and her powers and really fights for Miss Honey and makes a better life for Miss Honey. And, you know, the two of them sort of end up living happily ever after <laughs> together. <laughs> and, and Miss Honey's a gardener, right? There's like a so garden. She the... lives in a little cottage. Like, it's not even a cottage. It's really like a shack <laughs> that she has um, made into her home. Um, because she's grown up really pretty, like, abused by her Aunt Agatha, which is, which turns out to be Mrs. Trunchbull. Um, and, and, um, Miss Trunchbull has, you know, kind of been her guardian since she was a young child and her father died. And she's taken all her money and, you know, her salary is given to Miss Trunchbull instead of to Miss Honey. And she lives in this little shack that's sort of surrounded by a garden and weeds and <laughs> okay. trees and stuff. Okay. Yeah. But there's there's something to that that imagery. Yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, I, rem I thought I remembered at the end the two of them having, like, a little vegetable yeah. garden and living happily ever after. I could be wrong. I'm... So, what year did the book come out? What... What does that context sort of mean? Yeah. So this book actually came out when I was older. It came out in 1988. So I was like a junior in high school. And so obviously I didn't read it as a, a child, but I do think I read it shortly after it came out. Um, when I was a kid, we read quite a bit of Roald Dahl, and um, I loved the movie Willy Wonka, and so I had read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and at the time when I was little, that was like a little bit of a creepy book to go along with like this really magical movie in my mind. And then in fourth grade, we had to read James and the Giant Peach, which I hated. <laughs> I was completely creeped out by that book and everything about it. And so I guess um, in some ways I wasn't a huge Roald Dahl fan when I was younger. Um, you know, and Roald Dahl is kind of problematic in <laughs> A whole lot of ways, you know, he's anti-Semitic and pretty racist and just not not great as a person and some of the, the characters and caricatures that he has in his books. Um, and they were always kind of creepy to me. And I felt like when I read Matilda, it's he, he sort of was redeemed <laughs> in my eyes with this book that was just in so many ways, so pure and so sweet and had such great messages. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, because it's it's funny that you say, you mentioned the creepiness, which is definitely something that I felt about those books as a kid too, but that you cite Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach as the creepy <laughs> factor, because to me, the like ultimate horrifying, like terrifying Roald Dahl story is the witches. Yeah. Which it that was, is, yeah. and those are the sort of overtly anti-Semitic caricatures yeah. that at least, like, I, I don't know, I was really, really, like, traumatized by, by. by that, that book. Mm -hmm. And uh, not that long ago, there was an article that basically, like, his family or his estate 
made sort of a public apology specifically for the anti-semitic tropes yeah. in books like that but even i think like miss trunchbull's nose and some of yeah. you know some of the attributes of some of the the villains in his stories mm-hmm. i think are are like <laughs> jewish Pretty which anti-Semitic, is like yeah. weird i don't know i also to me it feels very similar to like another certain author who um simultaneously is like horrifically transphobic and anti-semitic and racist and writes those tropes into the books and also somehow those books become um for a certain generation like a really important narrative of like otherness but also being like magic and special because you're misunderstood and also um sort of like chosen family and I think I think both Matilda and the Harry Potter series have this certain certain like endurance in the queer community that's really it's not something their author would appreciate (laughs) um quite frankly (laughs) like yet they write it really well (laughs) right and and what's fascinating to me about Matilda is like you know Roald Dahl was certainly no like queer icon but like (laughs) these characters mean something that like coding or subtext Mm -hmm. is so evident and so enduring and to me part of the difference is that like he is no longer living he is not like actively Mm -hmm. spouting hatred and violence on twitter right which is like i'm not saying it's okay like i i still don't think he's a great person but i think there's a way that you can sort of separate the the books from mm-hmm. the author a little bit more right. with Matilda than right. with, like, Harry Potter and the transphobic right. author, right. right? Well, and I think also, you know, the fact that he's no longer with us and, you know, can't answer to or grapple with some of these questions amongst his fandom or, you know, um, you know that are that have become a prevalent discussion today is different than an author who, you know, is made aware in real time of the problematic nature of her statements or stances and then, you know, kind of doubles down. <laughs> and <laughs> More than kind clearly of. Clearly <laughs> doesn't. Um, right, and, and it's know. just a different platform. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, and it's something I struggle with because I also was raised on and loved the Harry Potter For sure. Book. Um, but, but that's part of why I think the movie is so enduring to me, is this, it's this really wholesome story that you sort of maybe take, not take it away, but decenter, like, Roald Dahl as Mm -hmm. the the sole owner of this content, Mm -hmm. and, like, I mean, quite frankly, Mara Wilson, who played Matilda in the excellent 90s movie version, is bi like she's a bi Jewish actress and an icon and a legend and on Twitter on Twitter at one point someone asked her like straight up just some rando tweeted at Mara Wilson at Mara Wilson hi there's definitely a trend among lesbians gravitating toward the Matilda film what do you think that's about and Mara Wilson replied and this is iconic It was one of the few children's films to show a strong, resilient female character overcome adversity in a family that did not understand her to create her own family and her own happiness through hard work and friendship. Also, they all have crushes on Miss Honey. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's true. <laughs> that's so funny. So that, I mean, that's where, right, and maybe it's, I don't know, with Harry Potter, I think I see it more as, like, the role of fanfic to sort of, like, mm-hmm. give this this story or these characters kind of a life of their own. But but that, I think, is part of why I love the, the movie so much is, like, it sort of takes this story and it centers different real people, right? Like, I associate, in some ways, I associate the story of Matilda more with Mara Wilson than I do with Roald Ro- Dahl. Got it. Which That's is like, interesting. I don't know, maybe problematic, <laughs> and also, like, I'm okay with that in, <laughs> in this circumstance. Yeah. Um, when you were looking back on the book, though, uh, were there parts that surprised you or that you had forgotten about the story? So, honestly, I reread this book not very long ago, a couple of years ago. Um, I picked it up and reread it again because actually my nephew, who Cooper Kaminsky, who does our theme music for <laughs> this podcast, was um, in a production of Matilda in on a stage, as a Ms. stage play Trunchbull. as Miss Trunchbull, and he was brilliant. Um, but um, I had picked it before I went to go see the play again with him in it. I picked up the book and reread it, and so that was, I guess, maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago before the pandemic. Um, and so I, I had recently reread it. And I think one of the things, you know, that I think is present in a lot of Roald Dahl's books, for better or for worse, are these, like, larger-than-life, ridiculous caricatures of people. And so especially um, Matilda's parents especially her father and um, and Miss Trunchbull are these like wild <laughs> would never be real kind of horrific characters <laughs> in the story you know like Miss Trunchbull you know puts kids in the chokey which is like this small enclosed space that has nails sticking out of it and it's, like a, it's basically a locker with it's like, like a locker with yeah. nails sticking so you can't sit down and rest and she puts kids yeah. in it to, to punish them and there's one child who gets in trouble and she swings the child around by her pigtails and throws her like a shot put um yeah didn't you know. one kid have to eat like a whole chocolate cake yeah too? loose yeah. <laughs> so there was a, a boy who um, stole a little piece of Miss Trunchbull's chocolate cake, and then he, she forced him to eat the entire cake. And then he, but that one actually backfires on her because he doesn't get sick, and she gets really upset with that, and so she smashes a plate on top of his head. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, that's like ridiculously <laughs> abusive. So, so yeah, I mean, I think that. I remember those characters being kind of the bad guys in the story, but I I guess I didn't realize just how <laughs> over the top they were in a lot of ways. It's funny that you say that, because I, I for sure, like, that's for sure just a thing in these books, but when we're talking about, like, adaptations or other versions of this story, too, that sort of... So I haven't seen the stage play, like, full disclosure, I have not seen the musical version, but the way that that, like, over-the-topness is translated into, like, camp and like 
Miss Trunchbull as a drag role is, like, another sort of, like, brilliant, mm-hmm. like, r- not rewriting, but just, yeah. like, a really brilliant interpretation or, like, a cool layer to add to the story yeah. that, again, the author would not appreciate. For but, sure. But, like... For sure. That's, I don't know, that's part of how this story just feels like it has such a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And in different adaptations or different versions of this story, I think those those changes and those layers are so, so fun and so valuable. Um, right. And I, I just have, like, such an appreciation for that. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I will say the stage show not only is hilariously funny um, and really well written, but it's also one of the most visually striking shows. Um, if you ever have a chance to see it, you really should. Because um, it's really just a beautifully staged musical. Really fun to watch. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite part of this book or a favorite character? So, um, I have two favorite characters. And it's like impossible for me to parse them out and say which one I love more. Um, but, you know, obviously Matilda and Miss Honey and the relationship between the two of them and the way that develops is is my favorite theme or part of the book. You know, there's a lot of funny kind of side pieces of the book um, that happen and are entertaining, but the way in which Miss Honey really recognizes Matilda for the wonderful, amazing, incredible child that she is, and the way Matilda sort of draws... Miss Honey out of her pretty traumatic, horrific upbringing, and they, you know, kind of share that common childhood space in in some ways. And then Matilda, you know, is this brilliant child who also, they figure out she has, um, like, magical powers. And so she can move things with her eyes. And um, she uses that power to kind of redeem Miss Honey and, and save her and uh, run off Miss Trunchbull. And it's, you know, if I have to pick a favorite scene of the book, it would be that moment in which Matilda, you know, not guided by Miss Honey, she surprises Miss Honey by doing this. She uh, has her, she uses her powers to write a message on the chalkboard um, with the with the chalk saying to Miss Trunchbull, Agatha, this is Magnus, the, the brother, and um, you know, give honey, give Jenny back her um, house and you know essentially get out of here and stop abusing my daughter. And um, and you know, obviously Miss Trunchbull passes out and then when she comes to she does a bunk, as they say, and, and runs off. Um, and then subsequently, um, Matilda's parents and family uh, run off as well. And so Miss Honey adopts her, and sort of they live happily ever after. And um, there's also a whole part at the end where Matilda once she's adopted by Miss Honey, and they're living together, and, like, everything's... Um, she's promoted in school to the top grade and all of that. Um, 
she recognizes, she realizes that she doesn't have the powers anymore. She can't move things um, with her eyes anymore. And that also is just a really touching moment um, in the book where, you know, when, when this child who's had this traumatic past is now in a situation where she's loved and cared for and able to be who she is and appreciated for who she is and kind of realize or actualize her potential. Um, she doesn't need those powers anymore. Those powers are redirected into something, you know, positive and yeah. It almost, it makes you think that the powers aren't necessarily, like, magic powers in sort of the conventional way that we mm. think of them, but they're just, like, an adrenaline or, like, trauma response, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, they're just, it's, yeah. like, it's that, like, you do what you have to do in the moment to survive. Like, it's exactly. it's sort of a survival yeah. instinct, and it doesn't seem, it, it, it seems like certainly, like, once that's not necessary anymore that that goes away but it also is interesting that sort of her her like exceptional um like book smarts or like school success is totally separate from right. this like magic right like that's sort of an, right. a like inner strength power thing and her curiosity and her love of reading and learning is like in a way, sort of a, a different kind of magic power, right? Like, a, but it's, that is um, more permanent or more enduring than, um, than the sort of, like, physical strength, supernatural, like, trauma response. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so Miss Honey does sort of explain it to Matilda when she realizes that the powers are gone. And I'm going to read that little excerpt. So it says, well, Miss Honey said, it's only a guess. But here's what I think. While you were in my class, you had nothing to do, nothing to make you struggle. Your fairly enormous brain was going crazy with frustration. It was bubbling and boiling away like mad inside your head. There was tremendous energy bottled up in there with nowhere to go. And somehow or another, you were able to shoot that energy through your eyes and make objects move. But now things are different. You are in the top form, competing against children more than twice your age, and all that mental energy is being used up in class. Your brain is for the first time having to struggle and strive to keep really busy, which is great. That's only a theory, mind you. And it may be a silly one, but I don't think it's far off the mark. And Matilda responds, I'm glad it's happened, Matilda said. I wouldn't want to go through life as a miracle worker. <laughs> nice. Are we ready for the final question? Sure. All right. Well, I know you didn't read this book as a kid. Um, right. But how did this book raise you? Um... So, I think as an educator, as a teacher, um, and now as a principal, I, I think in a lot of ways this book showed me just how crucial and critical relationship building is um, in a classroom and with students. And, you know, now 
there's a lot in education about social emotional learning and building relationships and restorative practices and stuff and that's what that's all based on and I think you know for hundreds of years many <laughs> great teachers have known that really it boils down to the relationships in a classroom and if you want students to be able to perform academically and do their best and and achieve um, as much as they possibly can that first has to come with positive relationships in which there's trust and safety and um, you know the ability to to be risk-taking and to struggle um, through challenging challenging situations and so you know the way miss miss honey really cares for and uh, understands Matilda and wants to meet her where she is and with what she needs and the way in which she becomes like this fierce advocate for Matilda with Miss Trenchbull and Miss Honey has to be really brave to do that because she's terrified of Miss Trenchbull and she still goes up against her um, to advocate for Matilda is is something that I feel like I've tried to be as a teacher and that in the teachers that I work with that's one of the things I appreciate most <laughs> um, when when teachers really work that hard to to build those relationships and advocate for their students that's lovely how about you I mean I hate I hate to be a cliche or a stereotype but like it was definitely crushing on Miss Honey. <laughs> like, there's, there's just not that much to it. It's not that deep this time. Absolutely. She was special. Okay, so thanks for joining us. That was Matilda by Roald Dahl on Books That Raised Us. Next week, we'll be talking about Clifford, the Small Red Puppy by Norman Bridwell. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Until then, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at BooksRaisedUs. Our theme music is by Cooper Kaminsky. Happy reading!